turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome back. Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. As we head into Hour 3, I am Seth Liebson. This is how they do it. And it will amount to a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing except television filler and subtle bias. I guess this is Shakespeare week, given our use of Richard III yesterday. But I tuned in to CBS this morning, as I sometimes do, and I saw two interesting things that help explain, A, our politics, be our culture and see the bloody crossroads where they meet as propaganda. In the reverse order, I, I, they had a highlight of the great actor Bradley Cooper on CBS this morning. It was a four or so minute piece on how Mr. Cooper admitted on a pad, podcast earlier this week that he had a cocaine problem once upon a time, a drug addiction, and it made him a lesser person in their vernacular. Then the hosts on CBS spoke about how brave it was for him to say that, how heroic he was to overcome it, and how important it is for people like him to share those stories. And I couldn't agree more. Except, why is this issue only important to CBS and other thought and news panjandrums when it comes to adults and famous adults at that? In other words, why is it that when we as we did here yesterday at great length, when we speak of the problem of drug use in our youth and it causing them problems or to be problematic or even violent, it is poo-pooed as a conservative distraction to other issues or a dog whistle. Why is it only a good and serious story when it's the glitterati and adults? Because they know it's a serious issue and they'd rather be in the easy business of reporting on broken men rather than helping us all raise strong boys. That's a corruption of a quote often attributed to Frederick Douglass. It's easier to build strong boys than repair broken men. CBS and the rest of the media has this in reverse. They'd rather try and repair broken men than build strong boys. There's a lot of truth in there, which is why so many of us, yes, do give a damn about prevention and youth addiction and violence. As Alicia Finley has reported in the Wall Street Journal, including... The alleged shooter in Uvalde, mass shooters at Representative Gabby Gifford's constituent meeting in Tucson, Arizona, the movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and the Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. The alleged shooters were all heavy marijuana users and at young ages and with high-potency marijuana. Young and underdeveloped brains using a drug a minimum of five times the strength or potency that we knew when we were in high school and college, with study after study now showing the connection between adolescent marijuana use and psychosis. One study's title, quote, Cannabis-Induced Psychosis in Teenagers and Young Adults, close quote. There's a ton of them. But, you know, following the science only applies to masking children to protect them from COVID, and following the heartstrings and heroism is adults after they realize they've become addicted to dangerous and illegal drugs. Boy, it would be nice to have a serious conversation about our youth and mental health in this country when it is primed and award-winning 
and giving to adults who confess to those problems, if they are already famous because, you know, compassion and kindness. I wish we showed some to our children. We only seem to care about their health when it's COVID and we mask them. From other drugs, we will unmask them. The second story was a feature with retired U.S. Army General Stanley McChrystal about a new project he's involved in called Team Democracy. And honestly, it made me want to vomit. It was all about a new organization dedicated to sponsoring conversations and candidate pledges about the importance of democracy and civil rhetoric in light of January 6th. Not in light of the death threats against the previous president by people almost as famous as Bradley Cooper. Not in light of riots against our statues, courthouses, homes, stores, led to the deaths of over two dozen people and billions of dollars worth of damage. Not in light of intolerance against those who tried to practice their First Amendment rights of free speech, school board meetings before being chilled by the Department of Justice. Not in light of the intolerance against those who tried to practice their First Amendment rights of free exercise of religion, who were shut down and told to have neighbors report on them if they did so attempt congregational worship indoors or out. No, it's a new group poised to solve a problem that lasted six hours and was caused by 860 Americans nobody ever heard of except an unarmed woman who was shot to death by a cop and that every elected leader from both parties denounced. Oh, I should add, this effort certainly wasn't about Democrats in 2004 or 2000 rising up in Congress to challenge as fraudulent electoral college votes in states that supported George W. Bush, a Republican. You know, George W. Bush, the guy the Democrats hated between 1999 and 2008, who was called a racist, Bush, Hitler, illegitimate, responsible for a black man's death caused by racist Klansmen wannabes in Texas, and whom Michael Moore made a mockumentary about showing how clueless and supportive of terrorism and illegitimate George W. Bush was. You know, that George W. Bush, the one liberals now tell us represented the best of the Republican Party once upon a time. You know, as Joe Biden put it, the Republican Party of your fathers. And they had retired General Stanley McChrystal on CBS to talk about this new group dedicated to protecting democracy and the norms of democracy. You know, General Stanley McChrystal, who was fired by Barack Obama, fired for insubordination, which is another way of saying breaking norms and civilian control of the military and the chain of command. Remember McChrystal's firing? It was because he blasted all his superiors. Excuse me. It was because he blasted all his superiors at a revelry he invited the Rolling Stone magazine to cover, where among those he blasted were the president Barack Obama and his national security team. Again, this is to Rolling Stone, and pretended or lied about not knowing one vice president named Joe Biden, all while he was the commander of forces in Afghanistan. That Stanley McChrystal. Bane of Obama and Biden when it was useful for him to be their bane, hero of democracy today because group libeling Republicans. That's how they do it. About that group McChrystal spoke up for, Team Democracy, my guess is it will be as relevant and useful to preserving our Republican form of government as all those civic dialogue groups and foundations that started after the Gabby Giffords shooting in 2011 will have on civil or civic dialogue. You've noted how that dialogue in America has gotten so much the better in the last 11 years, haven't you? So much more respectful, while so much more robust. 
Here's the pledge the organization is asking candidates to sign. Quote, elections are conducted according to the rule of law without partisan bias. All citizens can easily exercise their right to participate in a transparent, safe and secure electoral process. All claims of election irregularities are submitted in good faith for judgment by judicial systems in accordance with the law. And all participants accept and support the final results. The election process, including the transfer of power, be conducted peacefully, absent intimidation, violence, or other unlawful means. Close quote. Okay. We needed this? Or did Democrats need this? Because they violated all of it in 2000 and 2004 and 2016, bigly in that last one. Lots of violence in D.C. when Trump was inaugurated. Cops sent to the hospital in D.C. because of that violence when Trump was inaugurated. Celebrities threatening to blow up the White House because Trump was inaugurated. And does maybe, 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 maybe the notion of good faith claims of voting and election irregularities apply to a man, Joe Biden, who calls his opponents supporters of Jefferson Davis, a true insurrectionist, Bull Connor, a true bigot who used violence to prevent blacks from exercising their civil liberties, and George Wallace, a true racist who proudly stood for segregation now, segregation today, and segregation forever? Is that good faith? Is it absent intimidation? Is Is it absent partisan bias? I think so, especially when all those Democrats, literal Democrats, were glommed onto the Republican Party today for opposing the man who did that glomming, Joe Biden. But he's a Democrat, so of course it won't apply. Oh, by the way, all that Sturman drunk from Joe Biden was about an election law he said would suppress votes if not adjusted, only to see it not be adjusted and for voting to double, increase, expand. So as I say at the outset, this is how they do it. What's the it? The thing I want you to be most alert to. Opinion, principle, Hierarchy. Opinion principle hierarchy runs like this. Let me quote Frank Miele. There is only one permitted narrative, and it is that Republicans are dangerous white supremacists who live in a fantasy world and are mostly Russian propagandists. Democrats, on the other hand, are noble social justice warriors who ensure an open border, keep women's sports safe for men, and punish schoolchildren for using the wrong pronouns. How to put it another way. How about the law professor from Georgetown University, Heidi Feldman, who spoke the the quiet part out loud when she wrote this, quote, we have only one political party in this country, the Democrats. The other group is a combination of a cult and an insurrection supporting crime syndicate. The only ethically and politically responsible stance to take to the Republican Party is to consistently point out that it no longer is a legitimate participant in U.S. constitutional democracy, close quote. You want another way of thinking about it, perhaps? Nancy Pelosi, in a fundraising email this morning, quote, Republicans just admitted they will ban reproductive rights nationwide, so they must be stopped from barging back into power, close quote. A lie, followed by an allegation of violence. Or how did she put it in her email yesterday? Quote, I will not allow Republicans to take power, even if it takes everything I have left to stop them, close quote. Another way, perhaps? White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on illegal protests in front of conservative Supreme Court justices' homes. Quote, it's illegal, I guess. I hope they stay peaceful, close quote. The I guess part was a beautifully deployed nullification of federal 
protection of federal laws protecting our democratic institutions, like Supreme Court justices' homes and lives. At least those Jen Psaki disagrees with. Another way? How about Hillary Clinton's press secretary tweeting she hoped Donald Trump died when he got COVID? Oh, I bet you nobody on our side says that about Anthony Fauci, who, yes, today did announce he got COVID. Anyway, that's how they do it. One rule for thee, adorned with beautiful incantations to civility and norms. One rule for me, justifying nullification, violence, incivility, and opposition to democratic norms like the two-party system. Meanwhile, speech is violence. Violence is mostly peaceful. Peacefully marching is insurrection. Gender changing is gender affirming. Keeping hands off a body is having clinicians operate in your body. Wanting those hands off the body is putting hands on it. Colorblindness is racism. Discrimination is anti-racism. Voter suppression means more voters voting. And build back better means higher gas prices for your car and food shortages for your babies and tampon shortages for women. Or, I guess, also menstruating men. That is how they do it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For those of you looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I know them, and I have seen what they do. They are offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi helps people who are doing their best to dig out a debt the right way by actually paying off their debts, doing so with dignity, and getting lots of benefits along the way, including FICO score recovery. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm, and you can be a part of it too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and then R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087. That's 855-316-3087. Zero eight seven. Tell them I sent you. By the way, on that last point, uh, well, it really wasn't a last point, but in my monologue mentioning that it was announced Anthony Fauci had acquired COVID today, tested positive for COVID today, we of course all wish him well. But, you know, this is a man who said he would not work for Donald Trump if Donald Trump were elected or reelected in uh, 20, um, 2024. Because of the misinformation Donald Trump spread. Can someone tell me, by the way, what piece of misinformation Donald Trump spread about COVID? Was it as bad as this? Bill, do you have this audio? Was it as bad as this president's misinformation? The various shots that people are getting now cover that. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Now, I was reading about the Anthony Fauci story, and he has at least four shots in him, at least, at least, fully boosted, they tell us. He got COVID. Joe Biden's allowed on Twitter. He's allowed on Facebook. But because of Donald Trump's misinformation, he's not. He's not. This is how that works as well. All right. 
I wanted to mention uh, one other thing for you guys. Uh, who was it the other day who said this is how the progressives do it? Might have been Chris Rufo. Uh, you, all, you all know Chris Rufo at the Manhattan Institute. He's the one that's done such groundbreaking work on critical race theory. It's going to be a country. By the way, hold that thought a second. The major cultural issues are going to be defined by these two or three scholars that were ahead of the curve on this. And it's the critical race theory issue to which Chris Rufo at the Manhattan Institute and City Journal deserves a lot of credit. And it's going to also be this transgender child issue, uh, child sexualization issue that Matt Walsh uh, over at the Daily uh, – what was it? The Daily Signal, right? That his movie, What is a Woman, and his subsequent book, these two people, these two people are going to you know, own the cultural issues because they were brave enough to take on issues people said they shouldn't. And they have set a prairie fire, a prairie fire around this country. Just these two guys, a prairie fire, especially when you look at all the people running – for school boards across the country. Think about that. It just took two brave scholars. Yeah, you can add a few others in there if you want, but these are the drivers. You could add Abigail Schreier, sure, um, and you could add a few podcasters and radio hosts that were willing to interview them and give them credibility and take heat from them. But that was all a divergence from the point I wanted to attribute, I think, to Chris Rufo which was the way the progressives do things around here. First, they deny what we allege. Then they tell us we have to accept what they have previously denied when it's discovered to be eminently and obviously true. And then the third part of the dialectic is they then mandate. They then mandate what they originally denied, and then told us we merely had to accept. That's how they do it. That's how they do it. And so I give you the attorney general of the state of Michigan, not an insignificant state, the attorney general, Dana or Dana Nessel. What did she say yesterday? Drag queens make everything better. Drag queens are fun. There should be a drag queen for every school. Okay. All right. Just so you know, first deny, then lecture us to be tolerant, then mandate. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Abraham Hamaday. Abe is a Republican candidate for Attorney General. Abe for AG.com. Abe, A-B-E-F-O-R-A-G. Abe for AG.com is his website. And he just received the big kahuna of endorsements. I mean, my gosh, Abe, you're stacking them up. You had Rand Paul about a week ago uh, endorsing you. Tell us about the big one yesterday. Well, Seth, I'm you know truly honored to be endorsed by President Donald Trump, and um, what an honor of a lifetime! He called me yesterday. We spoke for a good ten minutes, and you know just a really good conversation. And you know, he endorsed me on his birthday. And, and what a very generous man! He gave me the best gift I can give a uh, gift on his birthday. So I'm truly thankful and honored that I'm going to be able to carry his America First message 
agenda right here in Arizona. So truly honored to have uh, his endorsement. It's a huge, it's a huge, it's a huge victory for you, Abe, and your candidacy and your campaign and all your great efforts. It's just you can't gainsay it. I mean, you have just stacked up some great endorsements. The one before that was Rand Paul. And, you know, of course, the entire national security and apparatus of the Trump administration, from the National Security Advisor to the Department of Defense to Rick Grinnell, who is the head of Intel, uh, the director of Central Intelligence, it's a, it, National Intelligence. It, it's really an incredible thing you've done there, Abe. It's incredible. Yeah, and, you know, it just shows you my fighting spirit. I was the last candidate in this race. Is that right? Were you the last? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, I got in and. You know, some of my opponents have been running for over a year, Seth. It's insane. And uh, they've got no traction. And I think people want new blood. Yeah. They want new energy. They want people who are going to fight. And Donald Trump on the phone call with me, President Trump, was saying, Hey, you're tough. Now, you're an American gladiator. I know you're going to huh. prosecute the, the crimes of 2020. You're going to prosecute, you know, law and order, restore law and order. And, you know, we're going to fix the border. And I think that's exactly what we intend to do. we got to get a lot more aggressive this November. I want to talk a little bit about that. You may have to, you know, update your campaign signs. American Gladiator, put that in quotes, dash, dash, Donald J. Trump. I like that, American Gladiator. We could use a, uh, a strong man for tough times. We do have some tough times facing us here, Abe, certainly on the economy and certainly uh, when it comes to the enforcement of law, which is what you're running for as attorney general for the state of Arizona. Uh, a couple of the things I wanted to talk to you about with regard to your run for office are um, I want to talk to you about border integrity, the border, and uh, what we can do about it. I want to talk to you about the drug problem and what we should and could be doing about it. I, you know, I had a I had a mom on yesterday, Abe, um, out of Colorado. She's uh, a very well-known uh, and well-published uh, business uh, advice executive, you know, a business uh, a business counselor. And uh, Laura Stack is her name. And she lost her son a couple years ago to a drug overdose uh, that, you know, turned him uh, into what she describes as, as, as someone with psych- – she, she, her young son, you know, got, got psychosis, cannabis-induced psychosis, and, and took his life. And it seems to me, you know, with the flood of drugs coming through our border – and the rash of violence we are seeing in our society, but particularly among our youth, that rather than going after the Second Amendment, why don't we go after what's already illegal and re-message and, or even start messaging to parents and kids something about the problems they could be experiencing or engaging in by you know, initiating drug use? Why can't we do that in this state? Yeah, I think that's what we need to do, Seth. I think we need to look at the society's problems and tackle it culturally. And we have to recognize about there has to be consequences for actions. I think that's what's missing in our society today. So, you know, we're, it's awful situation you describe, you know, losing a family member like that. It's tragic. And we have to see, it all can tie down to our southern border, too, Seth. I mean, yep. when you have drugs pouring in like fentanyl. Yep. Uh, tons of it coming across the border. This is why we have to take it very seriously and why I intend to classify the cartels as terrorist organizations when I take office and work with the legislature to do that. So, you know, we have to have this, uh, we have to start imagining how we're going to promote good, active, healthy lifestyles. It's not just with drugs, but when you look at the obesity rates is a big deal. And I think, you know, when I talk about this as an attorney general candidate, because a lot of this 
affects the law down the line. I mean, drugs is going to lead to homelessness, and it might possibly lead to mental illness. So it all is affected, and we just see the first, second, third order of effects with it. So that's why we have to start getting tough and start uh, having a lot more counseling services and you know getting them early on. Um, to try to prevent them from getting addicted as well. I, I think you're right, and some prevention messaging. I mean, it's not as if this country doesn't know how to do it. When it come to, came to COVID, a disease that really wasn't affecting our children much at all, boy, they sure knew how to put the messaging out there on a public health <laughs> crisis. They sure knew how to turn society upside down. Hey, Abe, i got to take a quick commercial break. Let's come back and talk a little bit about the border. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, drug cartels as terrorist organizations. Again, Abe Hamaday is our guest candidate for attorney general, freshly receiving the Donald J. Trump endorsement, A-B-E-F-O-R-A-G.com. Abe for A-G.com is the website. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the great people of Balance of Nature. We talked to Dom Jones earlier. He's one of the great people fueled by and sponsored by Balance of Nature, running 76 marathons in 76 days to help teach American history, ending his run on July 4th. Balanceofnature.com, pure, potent plant power once a day, and you get a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole veggies. I take it every day. It boosts my energy, my health. And my immunity. You should and can to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Our guest is Abraham Hamaday. Abe is uh, running for uh, Republican for Attorney General in the state of Arizona. Abeforag.com is his website. Just received the endorsement yesterday from Donald J. Trump, former president of the United States, fresh off of another endorsement from Rand Paul. I mean, at this point, Abe, <laughs> at this point, you pretty much have the conservative constellation of endorsements when you think about the national security apparatus. You've got a few people around here in town who love you. I'm one of them. I hope you know that. <laughs> and uh, and the president and Rand Paul, I mean, I mean, you ask, what is a Republican? That's the answer right there. You've got it. You covered the ground here, buddy. Completely. And, you know, something about it. So we actually had a poll that we just released and it's on Twitter now. So people want to check it out. But before Donald Trump, President Trump's endorsement, I was sitting in first place at 9.6 percent. The second place uh, was at 5.7 percent. Everybody else was below that. Um, So we already had a slight lead, but we also tested that the Donald Trump endorsement. It bumped me up from 9.6% to 41% and everybody else in the field under 4%. So I, I think right now we're going to not take anything for granted, but we're going to shore it up and you know, we can use a lot of contributions, especially right now. Um, all the money that we're doing is going towards signs, towards our, towards our TV ads. So, you know, we're in crunch time mode. So I do encourage any listeners who care about the border, who care about saving our country to visit my website at com and consider volunteering or contributing to the campaign. You bet. I was just looking at that poll. Uh, thanks for, for bringing it to our attention. If people want to follow you on Twitter as well or social media uh, outside of your website, at Abraham Hamaday, at Abraham Hamaday, H-A-M-A-D-E-H. Uh, let's go back to the border for a second, uh, Abe, because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, it's not much states can do uh, that much about. It's really a federal job. It's not entirely true. There are things we can do. You had one concept, which was the uh, drug cartel and terrorist organization designation. Feel free to tell us about that or anything else you think Arizona should be doing that it isn't right now. So, we, you know, we have to get a lot tougher. Vice President Mike Pence 
was down at the border yesterday, and I heard his comments saying this is a federal government problem. You know, I, I don't accept that. Yes, it typically is. I think when you look at immigration, yes, it is. But the Arizona shares this border with Mexico, and this is a state sovereignty problem with that. So, you know, Arizona needs to take a much more aggressive approach and why I say we have to classify the cartels as terrorist organizations. With that, it would have enhanced sentencing guidelines for the drug smuggling and the human smuggling that's been going on. But besides that, we have to use state war powers, um, that ability to do that. And by saying it's an invasion and using state war powers, we're going to take matters in our own hands. We can we, we can, we can uh, do it without the federal government's help, actually. You know, this is untested ground, but this is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be challenging the status quo. If we, ha- if we are not challenging the status quo, we accept whatever, you know, uh, provisions have been in place in the past, we're always going to be tied to whatever precedent is. And saying that that's what happened with Roe v. Wade. And look at Roe v. Wade's about to be overturned right now because the Mississippi AG was aggressive. And that's exactly what I intend to do as Arizona. We're going to... We're going to challenge the status quo. We're going to challenge the federal government because they're they're no longer doing their job. They've they have, they've neglected our southern border, and not just affecting our border communities, but it's affecting all of Arizona and also as well as the entire country. It's just nobody really is paying attention. But when you have if you watch these videos, if you go down the border, there's hundreds of thousands pouring across the border. I mean, sometimes it's ten, fifteen thousand a day. Seth, I mean, it is insane the amount of numbers that are coming across the border. And I think people are just not recognizing it. But why? What's the, everybody's now seeing our borders wide open. And that's why we have 150 countries that were represented of people who are flocking our borders in. This is a huge national security concern. You know, don't believe the media when they're trying to make it seem like this is you know, poor migrants who are coming across. Not necessarily the case. So these are people taking advantage of our laws and bringing in drugs. And some of them have actually been terror. They've actually been suspected terrorists with linkages to overseas terrorists. So. We have to secure our border, and it's going to be one of my first priorities as Attorney General. Abe, just it's it's such a curious thing, you know. Um, if you were a Democrat, if you were a Democrat and you were running the White House, you would think you would think you would want Americans, fewer Americans, dying from the deadly overdoses uh, that are fueled by the uh, openness of the border and what's coming in through it. You would think. You would want fewer um, people having to deal with issues of sex and child trafficking. You would think you would want fewer people coming into our country where their first act as a resident of this country is a breaking of the law. What they're doing, however, when they could do a lot about it, they really could. I mean, it's just really that easy because they, they, you know, at the snap of their fingers undid what we were doing about it. You almost have to wonder if there is some version in the back of their heads as wanting to do this deliberately. I mean, it's a weird set. It's a weird stance of denial they're in when it comes to our border and all the problems that flow from it. Seems to me. I don't. I don't, I don't think it's uh, a far stretch to say that it's being deliberate and orchestrated. And you're right. I mean, it's not just the border, but you're looking at crime, right? By implementing, by defunding the police and not prosecuting. Right. Crime. There's another part to get? it. Right. You get lawlessness, and, you know, this is what's going on, Seth. It's much more insidious than we've ever realized. I, I'm, I no longer think this is just, you know, them just having bad policies, but you know, when you shut down the Keystone Pipeline, when you remove sanctions from Russia and then they get a war, and now we have $7 gasoline, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think this is, might be part of their plan to try to usher in a Green New Deal wave, which my Democratic opponent, Chris Mays, she's a big proponent of environmental mm-hmm. justice, one of the biggest things she's running on. So, mm-hmm. you know, I no longer, I, I say this, I'm done negotiating with those who seek to destroy our country, Seth. We understand what their end game is, and I'm done negotiating with them. And, you know, we have to make sure that Arizona remains free and look at what, what what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. He's turned Florida from being a purple state into bright red by not compromising. That's right? exactly right. No fear. No uh, no lack of courage. And go right to it. Go to the hard issues. People want them addressed. People, I think, want strong leaders for hard times. Abe, you are that strong leader for this office of attorney general. Abe for AG.com. Congratulations on your Donald Trump endorsement and Godspeed to you, Abe. Thank you so much. You betcha. You betcha. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Thanks for spending some of your, uh, some of your time with us. You were using the word sovereignty a great deal. I just, uh, maybe I'll close uh, here by just uh, explaining how important a concept it is. They used to spend a lot of time in political theories talking, in political theory classes in college and grad school talking about it. It was a big issue for political theorists' sovereignty. Uh, it's probably ta- taught a lot less now is my guess because I don't think uh, the academy cares about it anymore. Um, if you look it up in, oh, I don't know, your favorite dictionary, what would that be? Uh, Merriam-Webster, let's do it. You get freedom from external control or autonomy is a synonym, supreme power over a body, politic. The point of sovereignty for the United States of America or really any country that has any border whatsoever, which is every country um, except ours now, uh, it's, it's about the ability to control and to have authority over and against any other external control, that is to say, any other outside force. That's what sovereignty is. It's authority. You go and look it up in Wikipedia, they probably treat it uh, the way it's taught in college classrooms. Sovereignty is the defining authority within an individual consciousness, social construct, or territory. Nonsense! My gosh. Does everything have to be a social construct? Why, is every, why can't a thing just be a thing? Everything is a social construct because man gave meaning to the words we use to talk about those things. Everything is a social construct. Stop it. Just stop it. It's a thing. Sovereignty. Respect it. We used to. We used to. It's how you preserve or meanly lose this, the last best hope of Earth. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I am Seth Leibson and class is dismissed.